So we've been doing ministry here in Orville since 1857 as a church. Since 1857. And so our church started with a pastor by the name of Pastor J.R. Tanzi. And it started in 1857. However, it wasn't um, incorporated until May of 1878. And then on April 4th of 1879, we began the building of our first church building, which was completed in 1883. And it was located at the northeast corner of Byrd and also Lincoln. And then in, 18, uh, in 1909, as our congregation grew, a newer and much larger church was built at Robinson and Lincoln Streets, and the church building was completed for $22,000 at that time, $22,000, and it was dedicated in March of 1911. In February of 1965, that's when we started building our current church here. A few months later, the old church on Robinson and Lincoln was torn down, and at the time it was torn down, it was 55 years old. The very first service at our current church here was held on September 26, 1965. And over the past 162 years, we have had more than 50 pastors serving in our church. More than 50 pastors. You know, as we reflect upon the past, as we reflect upon our history, we see all the many, many great blessings that God has truly given us here at our church, blessing us throughout these years, through the 162 years of service here in this community. There's a point in time in which our church, there were so many members here in our church that there's not enough seats for everybody. But over the years, you know, the membership has declined. And yet one of the things that we as the church need to come and think about is, as we reflect upon our history, is how do we move forward from here? Our leaders of the past, such as J.R. Tanzi, our leaders of the past who have led us and started our church, organized our church, all the things, all the sacrifices that they have given us to allow our church to be around for the past 162 years, now, the challenge is for us, will we be able to keep our church going for another 162 years? That's a big challenge. That's a big challenge for us. There's a saying in terms of leadership that when the fish stinks, it stinks from the head down. It stinks from the head down. It talks about leadership. We often see in many organizations, whether it's in the church or whether it is in business, whatever field we may be talking about, we see that when the leadership gets better, everything gets better. We see that when the leadership becomes stronger, everything becomes stronger. And many of the churches that I've been a part of in the past, one of the things that I observe is this, that when the leadership gets along, everybody else gets along. When the leadership are not fighting against each other, the church is not fighting against each other. But when I become part of a church that, where the leadership is constantly fighting each other, when the leadership is divided, the church also becomes divided. 
when the leadership is fighting, the church starts fighting against each other because everybody starts taking side in the church. I'm on this leader's side, or I agree with this leader, I agree with that leader, and then the fights start. I've been a part of a church in the past where the pastor and the lay leader would fight publicly during worship service. <laughs> yeah, they would fight. You know, they would go up there and they would not mention each other's name. But you know exactly who they're talking about. And things such as this let us realize, make us realize that one of the most important things about being a church is that we need to have the right leaders. As we move forward, as we move forward and try to set our goal, is try to set our vision to moving our church and continuing to serve in our community for the next uh, 162 years, we need to come to ask ourselves what kind of spiritual leadership must we have in the church? How can we transform this community? How can we go about to accomplish this mission that Jesus Christ has given us to transform this world for Jesus Christ? But not, not that we're just doing, transforming this world with Jesus Christ, but that we are transforming this world with Jesus Christ. And I want to use that word with here is because the only way that we're going to be able to do anything is if we continue to walk with Christ. If we continue to walk with Jesus Christ. Because we can't do anything for him if we're separated from him. We can't do anything, we can't transform this world for him if we're not walking with him. And so it's very, very important, it's very, very important that we walk with Jesus Christ as a church, especially as leaders of the church. There is no organization out there that would just put any type of, any kind of person in a leadership role. But oftentimes churches, we do that. We just throw anybody into a leadership role. We don't really think about the impact, the impact in which that person may have on the church. We see in the, we see in the passage in 1 Kings, when King Solomon had just passed away and his son, Rehoboam, became king. That was the start of the division of the kingdom of Israel. Because Rehoboam wasn't, he just wasn't a good king. He didn't listen to the people. He did things his own ways. He did not listen to the advice of the elders. But he went his own way. And because of him, the kingdom of Israel became divided the north and the southern kingdom. And so we see the effects of leadership here in the scriptures, seeing that when we, when we don't think about what types of leaders are in place, when we don't really focus on these things, that we just put anybody in leadership roles, that we can cause division an entire nation and also in, within a church, within a church. And the apostle Paul when he wrote the letter to Timothy. Here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he really wanted to emphasize on this because he was so worried about the church at that time. He was so worried that this, that this new church rising up, that they were just going to start throwing people into all these leadership roles who knew nothing, who were, who knew nothing about Christ. All these people, all these new converts who 
were not yet even mature in their faith. And many, many of them in the church who were not even walking with Christ. And so Paul was very careful in his instructions to young Timothy as to how he can go about selecting leaders for the church that will keep the church going, that will keep the church together. And based upon these instructions, the church has used these, these, um, these instructions in 1 Timothy for the past 2,000 years and has kept the church going for the past 2,000 years. These instructions from the apostle Paul in terms, in terms of identifying leaders, identifying pastors, missionaries, lay leaders, representatives of the church. And so, how can we, how can we as young, as, as, as members of this church, how can we keep our church going? Well, the first thing we need to realize here, as the Apostle Paul says, he says in verse 1 that this is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. I want us to highlight that word, noble task. A lot of times we don't see the task that we do in the church as something that is noble, as something that is important, as, as something that is of value. And so many times we see our duties in the church as something that we do simply as a hobby, something that we simply do on the weekend, something that we don't simply do whenever we have free time. We don't really sacrifice anything for it many times. We're leaders in the church, but we really don't, you know, make time for it. We only do it whenever it's convenient for us. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is, is that this is not something that we do only when it's convenient for us, but that this is something that we must do because it's something that is so, so important. is to serve within the church. Because as Christians, this is what we believe in. This is what we believe in. We are not doing anything. The work that we are doing is not simply for this life. But the work that we are doing in the church, the services that we are given, it is about eternity. We are working with people. We are saving their souls. We are you know, saving them for all of eternity. Many of the things that we do are simply for this lifetime. You know, my, my job that I do on, from Monday through Friday, something that I do for this lifetime. But the things that I do for God is something that lasts forever. That it is something that is for eternity. That's how important. That's how important it is. That's how essential it is for us to see this thing that we do here in the church as something that is noble, something that is so important. If we don't believe in that eternity, that view of eternity, if we don't see that view of eternity, it's hard for us to even place any kind of importance on the things that we do here today. We have to have that view, that view for eternity. Forbes, Forbes says this in one of the articles that they wrote, says that in order for us to really move forward, in order for us to really change a culture and move forward, it all starts with inspiring a shift in mindset and moving away from the sentiment of that's how things 
have been done around here to a new mindset, to a new mindset, to a new mentality that says this is how we are going to be thinking and this is how we are going to act from now on. And so in order for people to move forward, in order for leaders to lead a change, a change in mentality needs to take place. A shift in our mindset needs to take place. The question that we should not be focusing on so much is that, you know what, what have we been doing for the past 162 years? But the thing that we need to focus on is how, uh, starting today, how can we start to think about this new generation? How do we start to think about this new culture that we are living in? How can we become a part of this new culture, of this new generation? How can we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to this new culture that we're living in? We are not living in the same culture. We're not living in the same time that J.R. Tanzi and them lived in back in the 1800s. It's not the same time anymore. We are living in a very different time. In, in the past, Christianity had a great influence on our culture, on our society. Today, we are living in a time in which Christianity is losing its influence in our culture. We need to start thinking about how we can move forward with this. And the way that we think about this is not to change the message of the gospel, but how to apply the gospel, how to apply the gospel into our new generation, into the, the time that we are living in. To be a leader that can transform the world with Christ, to be a spiritual leader, what we must be willing to do is we must be willing to be pushed outside of our very own comfort zone. And many times the reason why we're not able to serve God with all of our hearts, we're not able to change, we're not able to transform the world is because we like to stay within our own comfort zone. We like to do the things that we've been doing for the past 162 years. But we need to start asking ourselves, how, how, can I, how can I be encouraged to move out of my comfort zone and to start doing ministry within the culture that I am in? It's very different. Ministry is very different in each culture. To do ministry in the Hmong culture is very different than to do ministry in the Anglo culture. To do ministry in the Hispanic culture is very different than doing ministry in the Hmong culture. And so each culture has their own needs. And how do we go about to bring the gospel to our culture, the culture that we are living in today, to the, into the society that we are living in today? And the first thing we need to understand is we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are as Christians. When we see Jesus Christ, we see that even those who don't believe in Jesus, even those, you know, the secular world, one thing that they have to admit to, even if they don't believe that Christ is the Son of God, they have to admit to that Jesus Christ is one of the most influential leaders of all time. For the past 2,000 years, the message of Jesus Christ continues to go on. People continue to follow Jesus Christ even after, two th after he's been dead for 2,000 years. Even for those who don't, who don't believe that he resurrected from the dead, it doesn't matter. But they have to admit that after 2,000 years of this guy's, the passing of Jesus Christ, that people are still following. And so we see that Jesus Christ throughout history is one of the most influential leaders. And yet he knew exactly who he was. 
He says in John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. In John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, the apostle Paul himself, the apostle Paul himself also identified who he was. You see, the apostle Paul, he was able to be successful in his ministry as the first missionary to the Gentiles is because he also understood who he was. And he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, he says, I am Paul, I am called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And so these men, the reason why they were able to impact the world for 2,000 years is because they were confident and they knew who, who they were. They knew exactly who they were. And as Christians, many times, you know, over the years, living in a culture that's losing, that we are losing our influence in, many times we have forgotten who we are. Many times we have forgotten who we are as Christians, and so because of that, we have also forgotten who God is. And that's why when I had the children up here, I talked to them a little bit about that scene in the movie Lion King. Because Simba, you know, Simba, he was out there, you know, just in the wilderness. And his father finally appeared to him, and his father says, Simba, you have forgotten who you are. And Simba says, Father, no, I haven't. I haven't forgotten who I am. And his father says to him, you know what? You have forgotten me, and so that's why you have forgotten who you are. And that's one of the things that we need to do as Christians in order for us to continue our service for the next 162 years is to rediscover who God is. One of the biggest errors that we as Christians can do, and this is the reason why we have so many denominations, is because we like to pick certain parts of the Bible to believe in. Everybody does that. We like to pick certain parts of God to believe in. All denominations do this, and that's why we're separated. Some denominations, they want to focus on the holiness of God. Other denominations, they just want to focus on the Holy Spirit. Other denominations, they just want to focus on the Son. Other denominations, they just want to focus on God as love. Never talk about anything else. And then you go to these churches that's talking about hell and brimstones and fire and things like that. And we like to focus on little things that appeals to us, but one of the things we need to understand. In the Asian culture and in, Asia, in Chinese culture, one of the things that they believe in is that in order for us to have a successful life is that we need to have a balanced life. That's where the yin and the yang comes in. And so in order for us to understand God, in order for us to discover who God is, we need to have a balanced view of God. We need to believe in everything about who he is, not just only certain parts that appeals to us. And that's the reason why we, we end up with so many denominations. Because, we, you know, we like to just focus on certain aspects that we like, cause division in the church. But to have a balanced view of God is what we need as Christians. So we need to rediscover who God is, that God is love. He is love. He is filled with grace. He is filled with mercy. But he is also someone who will judge the world. He's also a God of wrath. He's also a God of judgment. 
that although we are to draw close to him, at the same time, the Bible also tells us that we are to fear him. And so all these things, all these things, when it comes together, sometimes certain things that we don't like, we, we push that aside only to focus on the things that we like. And because of that, because of that, we have lost our identity. We have forgotten who we are because we have forgotten who God is. And so in order for us to continue to do ministry and continue to have an influence here in this community is that we need to rediscover who God is so that we will know who we are as Christians. We often talk about the Jesus that says, do not judge the adultery woman. We often talk about that Jesus. But we forget about the Jesus that said to that same woman, go and sin no more. Very same paragraph. And yet we read the top part, we forget the bottom part. We talk about the Jesus that was filled with grace, that healed the lame, healed the weak, healed the blind. But we forget to talk about the Jesus that was flipping chairs in the temple. We need to understand, we need to believe, we need to have a balanced view of who Jesus Christ is as a church. Discover, rediscover who Christ is. And who are we in Jesus Christ? We are a child of God. We are a new creation. We have been chosen and appointed by God. We are someone who has been forgiven. We are someone who has been set free from the bondage of sin. We are the salt and light of this world. We are a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Our body is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. We are a member of Christ's body, and we have been called to share the gospel and to make disciples for Jesus Christ. All these comes from the Bible teaches us that this, this is who we are. We cannot forget that. We cannot forget that we are children of God. We cannot forget that. We cannot forget that we are a new creation. And when we remember who we are, we will understand what our purpose is as a church. Sometimes, you know, when this, this past week, I, went, I was asked to go and pray for the Hmong veterans of America. They, were, they came together to put a little celebration together uh, with the city, with the leaders of um, Yuba County. And so they asked me to be the pastor to go there and pray for their, their celebration. These are men. These are men that I've known my whole life. I talk to them, you know, um, I talk to them all the time. I see them in the, in the community. I interact with them a lot. Many times, but, you know, all those times that I interacted with them, all those times that I talked to them, one of the things that I one of the things that often escapes my mind is that I often forget all the sacrifices that they gave to me. I often forget that. And, you know, on, on Wednesday when I went there to pray for them, and they had all their old, you know, uniforms on, and they were sitting there in that room, and the Yuba County supervisor spoke to them, and then after that they asked me to go up and pray for them. And I stood up, as I stood up there, and I, I looked at all those men, all those men who, 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 whom I've known for most of my life, I couldn't help but shed a tear for them. Because I, I began to realize that, you know what, I'm not even worthy to stand before them. I'm not, a, I'm not even worthy just to just stand before them and, and to pray for them. And that's, that's what I told them is that I don't even deserve to be here. The only reason why I'm here is because you asked me to be here. But I don't, I don't even deserve this. Because, you know, I'm, in my lifetime, I'm able to sit in a office with the AC going on and work. The reason why I'm able to do that is because you, you spent your, 
most of your life in your childhood. Many of them were soldiers since 9 or 10 years of age. The reason why I'm able to sit in office today is because you spend most of your life in the jungle for me. The reason why I'm able to hold a pencil today is because you held a gun and you held bullets in your hand since you were a child. And so for me to, to, to even be before you and to pray for you, I, I'm just so unworthy. I'm just so unworthy. And yet I'm able to do this because you have asked me to. You have called me to come here. That's who God is. When we think about God, that's what God has done for us. Many times when we serve him, we need to realize that the very same thing, that all the things that God has done for us, that for us to be able to just stand before him, to serve him, we're just so unworthy. And yet, we're able to do it because God has called us to do it. Just like those men who sacrificed so much for me. There's no Hmong person here. There's no young Hmong person in this country that will be, be here today if not for those men. Dr. Kam is going to open his office tomorrow here around the corner here. Yeah. He, he's able to do that because of those men. And they sacrificed their lives. In a couple of weeks here, we're also going to have memorial uh, um, day service here at our church. And we're, we're, going, we're going to remember all these men who sacrificed for us. And so as we come before God, we need to realize who God is. We really need to realize who God is. That Today, we're, we're so unworthy of God, and yet we're able to do it is because he has called us. He has called us to serve him. What a tremendous, tremendous privilege it is to be able to stand before him. Another thing I want us to understand is that we need to compete to serve. We need to find people to empower in the church. We need to develop relationship with the right people. Paul was able to serve because he had the right relationship with the right people. And so we also have to have a, a system of discipleship to bring our, our children and to raise them up to become leaders in our church. So there's so much things that I have here on my notes. I'm not going to be able to go through them all for us here in one day. But I just want to conclude by saying this. In order for us to be leaders that will transform this world, we need to know who we are. We need to know who we are. We need to find our purpose. And to do this, we need to discover who God is. We need to start to serve people and find people to empower. We need to start developing relationships with people who can help us serve. And we need, to have a, we need to come together and have a system of discipleship to raise up leaders in our church. We need to do these things so that we can continue our ministry for the next 162 years. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love. You have blessed us tremendously, tremendously for these past 162 years of service in this community. We can only ask that you continue to be with us and empower us for the next 162 years as we continue to share the good news and continue to transform this community and serve this community for your sake. And so we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.